You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. His day shall come to die, or he shall go out to battle and perish. And later on we'll see that's exactly what happened. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed, but please take now the spear and the jug of water, that is Saul's canteen, that are by his head, and then let us go. And so anyway, David was sure that one day Saul would be dealt with by God. So he's just trusting God. Many of us can scarce imagine what it would be like to have someone vehemently hunting us down for years on end. Perhaps even more difficult to imagine is finding ourselves in a position to finally liberate ourselves from the situation, only to turn it down. Enter David. In today's message, Pastor Mike reflects on the faith and trust of David, who refused to assault God's anointed king. In his study, you'll learn about the amazing display of trust of David and how God would deal with Saul in due time. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 26 as he begins his message, God's Complete Protection. First Samuel chapter 26, verses 1 through 3. Let's go ahead and read that text. Now the Ziphites came to Saul, who at this time, as you know, is the king of Israel, at Gibeah, and it was there that Saul had set up his throne there in the city of Gibeah, saying, Is David not hidden in the hill of Hakaliah, opposite Jeshem? Then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul encamped in the hill of Hakaliah, uh, which is opposite Jeshurun, by the road. But David stayed in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. I forgot to mention that this message, the title is God's Complete Protection. Okay, so... Let's set this platform for you uh, for our study. So in the continuing saga of Saul and David, the king, notice according to our text, once again, sought David's life. But on this occasion, I want you to notice, and this is the difference between the the two of all all of what we've already uh, read. Notice there in verse 3, David did not flee from Saul as before. Now, why was that? Well, there's probably a couple of possible explanations. Uh, Let me share them with you. First of all, 
David's company of followers had grown to the extent it would have been impossible for the women and children to keep up on uh, the run. So not only did men join in league with David, but also the members of their family, their wives and their children. In fact, initially we are told that 400 men and their families uh, joined together uh, with David while David was on the run, fleeing for his life from Saul. In fact, if you quickly just go back to chapter 22, in verse 2 we are told there, if you remember, and everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented, that was discontented with Saul's uh, rule, uh, gathered to him, that is to David, so he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. So initially, 400 men and their uh, families. So actually, uh, David became the leader, the captain of a bunch of mercenaries, uh, actually guns for uh, hire. But then later on in our studies here in 1 Samuel, we are told that that group uh, actually grew to 600 uh, men in their family. So chapter 25 and verse 13 uh, tells us that. So once again, one of the reasons why, as before, David didn't run from Saul at this time was simply because his followers had grown to the extent it would have been impossible for the women and children uh, to keep up on the run. Another possible explanation, David, after those many years of being a fugitive, and by the way, it's been nine years since Saul has been trying to unsuccessfully take David's life from him, well, David had just grown weary of uh, running. So that's another possible explanation. Or thirdly, David, uh, growing in strength and numbers, 400 to 600, knowing also that God's blessing was with him, thought that he could defend himself. Well, whatever the explanation might be, he decided for a confrontation. And notice there in verse 1, let's go back to our text. Notice there in verse 1, the people of Ziph once again sold David out, letting Saul know where David was. And so this is actually the second time that the people from Ziph actually portrayed David's whereabouts. I guess they were looking to gain Saul's favor, and that's the reason why they sought of, served as Saul's scouts, if you will, tracking David down. And so the Ziphite's message was enough to stir up Saul's old animosity. And thus, without delay, notice according to verse 2, Saul and his armed guard, there were 3,000 in all, marched towards the wilderness of Ziph, where David was located. And within a day or two, Saul and his men reached the hill of Hakaliah. Tired, they bedded down for the night. They would begin their search for David at first light. And then we read in verse 4, let's go back to our text now, our chapter. Verse 4, David therefore sent out spies, and these spies were actually monitoring Saul's movements, and understood that Saul had indeed uh, come. Well, one of these guys that served as David's watch, if you would, sovereignly protecting uh, David, saw the dust that had been kicked up by Saul's men in pursuit, these 3,000 men, too large a cloud to be dismissed lightly, 
So David was immediately alerted, which is insinuated here in our text, verses 5 and 6. So David arose and came to the place where Saul had encamped. Remember now, they're asleep. And David saw the place where Saul lay, and Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of his army, the commander of the 3,000. Now Saul was within the camp, surrounded by his troops, with the people encamped all around him. Then David answered and said to Ahimelech, the Hittite, and to Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down uh, with you. And so anyway, David and Abishai circled around behind the hill of Hakaliah and climbing to the top took note of the layout of Saul's camp and then they waited for uh, darkness. And according to verse 7, in fact, let's go ahead and read verse 7. So David and Abishai came to the people by night where they were camped and there Saul lay sleeping within the camp with his spear stuck in the ground by his head, and Abner, the uh, captain of his troops, and the people lay all uh, around him. And so, as David and Abishai looked down on their unsuspecting adversary, remember now they're sleeping, Abishai remembered the former incident at En Gedi, remember uh, as is described first in chapter 24, where David could have killed uh, Saul. And so in verse 8 we read, Then Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand. This day now therefore, please, let me strike him at once with the spear, right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. So basically he's suggesting, look, David, let me do you a favor. You'll be blameless in all of this. Okay, I'll kill him. Uh, you don't have to put your sword into Saul. Well, David restrained his impetuous partner. And in verses 9 through 11, we read, But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him or kill him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? So David just understood that things wouldn't change, that is the result of Saul being God's uh, anointed unless God changed that position. And so David said furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall go out to battle and perish. And later on we'll see that's exactly what happened. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed, but please take now the spear and the jug of water, that is Saul's canteen, that are by his head, and then let us go. And so anyway, David was sure that one day Saul would be dealt with by God. So he's just trusting God, one way or another. You know, David wrote about this in the 109th uh, Psalm uh, under the heading of Judgment, of false accusers, and sometime during the week I'd encourage you to read the entire chapter, but uh, just to make the point, verses 1 through 5, 
the 109th Psalm, verses 1 through 5. Do not keep, now this is David writing the psalm. Do not keep silent, O God of my praise. The idea here is that God will vindicate him. God is in control. If God set him up as king over Israel, then it was God's responsibility, if he was unpleased with Saul, to remove him from that position. So he prays this prayer. Do not keep silent, O God of my praise. For the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful have opened against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They have also surrounded me with the words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. In return for my love, they are my accusers, but I give myself to prayer. Thus they have rewarded me evil for good and hatred for my uh, love. So once again, the 109th Psalm under the heading of Judgment of False Accusers. And by the way, did you notice that that would be the way that David would respond to those who accuse him of any falsehood, and it would serve us well to follow in David's footsteps. You know, don't retaliate. Don't trade evil for evil. Just simply take it to the Lord in prayer. And so uh, we want to commend uh, David for that. And so instead of killing Saul, notice there in verse 12, so David took the spear and the jug of water, the canteen by Saul's head, and they got away, and no man saw or knew it, or awoke. Why? Here's the explanation. For they were all asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. So, instead of killing Saul, notice because of this deep sleep from the Lord, and that is why they were able to accomplish their uh, mission, God had immobilized the soldiers as he did the lions when David was thrown into the lion's den. So once again, God is intervening on David's uh, behalf. And uh, David remarks about this in the 84th Psalm, and this would also relate to you in whatever situation you might find yourself uh, in, enemies coming against you. In the 84th Psalm in verse 11, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk up uprightly. But notice this all hinges upon us walking uprightly before uh, the Lord. Listen, you do your part, and you can be sure that God will do uh, his. Well, anyway, David placed himself a suitable distance, we are told here as we further move on through this chapter. David placed himself a suitable distance between himself and Saul's forces and sought to rouse his enemies. And they're about to have a rude awakening, verses 13 through 16. So while they're still asleep, David cries out from a safe place across the hill. He wakes them from that sleep. In verses 13 through 16, we read, Now David went over to the other side and stood on the top of a hill, afar off, a great distance being between them. And David called out to the people, and to Abner, the son of Ner, the commander, saying, Do you not answer, Abner? Then Abner answered and said, Who are you calling out to the king? And so David said to Abner, Are you not a man? And who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded your lord, the king? 
For one of the people came in to destroy your Lord, the king, referring to himself and Abishai. But this thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die because you have not guarded your master, the king, the Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is. He's holding it in his hand and the jug of water, the canteen in the other that was by his head. So he's holding up these two items here, you see. And uh, so, you know, I, I think David was just enjoying himself here, actually. You know, the mental and emotional discomfort that he was placing upon Abner and his men. And by the way, who at one time may have been David's friends. So what is David implying here? Well, he's implying that he, that is David, cares more for Saul's life than did Abner. Well, before Abner could think of an answer, notice, according to verse 17, Saul replied. And Saul said in verse 17, it's recorded there, then Saul knew David's voice and said, is that your voice, my son David? And David said, it is my voice, my Lord, O my king. Then David went on to reason with the king. And as he's reasoning with the king, I want you to take special note of his phrasing and in the way that he responded to the king. Is that you, David, my son? And he shows great humility in what he is about to share with the king, verses 18 and 19. And he said, why does my Lord, notice the way that he refers to him as his Lord, thus pursue his servant? For what have I done? Or what evil is in my hand? Now therefore, please let my lord, the king, hear the words of his servant, David. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. But if it is the children of men, may they be cursed before the Lord. For they have driven me out of this day from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. Okay, so... David suggests here that there are only two possible causes for the king's actions that is seeking to take David's life. And, and notice, he offers these suggestions, there are two of them, to give Saul an easier way to repent without admitting that they originated with him. That is the causes of him seeking David's life. He's making it as easy as he possibly can for the king, Saul, to repent. So what were those suggestions? The first of which was that the Lord had stirred him up. The Lord had stirred him up to seek to take David's life from him. So in that suggesting, he's referring to the real problem isn't between Saul and David, but is rather between God and David. And Saul was just being an instrument in the hand of God to judge David for some wrongdoing. But of course, that wasn't the case. But notice, he goes on to declare, in which case, if that was the case, Saul should let David know, that is, if the Lord had stirred him up, and that's the reason why he was seeking his life as an instrument of judgment, so that he could offer the appropriate sacrifice to make peace with God and once again be restored to favor, not only with the king, but also with God. So that's his first suggestion. 
But then secondly, the second cause, notice here, he refers to the slanderous, malicious words of evil and unprincipled men whom had inflamed the heart of the king against him. Well, if the latter was true, if that was in fact the cause of Saul seeking to take David's life from him, then God would punish them for their actions. But take note of the results of their evil uh, deeds. And I think that he's actually referring to the Ziphites here. Notice here, what was the result of their evil uh, deeds? We'll go back to verse 19, the latter part. For they have driven me out this day from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. So think about that. David knew there was no longer a safe place for him in all of Canaan. And thus, he had been compelled to go into exile far from the places where God was a worship, according to verse 19. And let me tell you something. David was a worshiper of God. He longed to worship God. He loved to enter into the place where God was worshipped. He loved to gather together with other people who were worshiping God. Remember, at this time, the tabernacle was located at Nob, according to chapter 21. But because of Saul's pursuit of David, he was no longer able to go into that area to worship uh, God. So anyway, David here is referring to the men of Ziph who betrayed David's whereabouts twice. And once again, you know, of all of the things that were vexing uh, David, you know, take special note of his not being able to worship God. He thought that that was the greatest evil that had come upon him. And I think that that speaks volumes of David's desire to want to know God and to worship God. You know, may God put that same kind of a desire within each and every one of us. You know, looking forward to those opportunities to be able to come together in a facility like this one to study God's word, to worship the Lord, to gather together with our brothers and sisters. What a great encouragement it is to be able to gather together and just see each person that's here, for example, and lifting their hands up to the Lord and worshiping him and entering into that fellowship and communion with a God. What an encouragement that is. But all of that has been now absent from uh, David's experience. So that was probably the thing that vexed David most of all. Well, anyway, the men of Ziph sought to injure David, suggesting that he plotted to kill Saul. And they continued that persistent slander, and thus they also continued to stir up Saul. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. If you've missed any part of this message, you'll find it online at harvestnyc.org. You can also subscribe to the In My Father's House with Mike Venezio podcast. Just search for it on your favorite podcast platform. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can connect with us. 
We want to hear from you. If you've been listening for months or even the first time today, let us know. Have you been blessed by a teaching here on In My Father's House? Have you been able to share what you've learned with someone else? We want to hear your story. It's such an encouragement and brings us great joy to know how this program is blessing our listeners. So please, let us know you've been tuning in. You can send us a message right from our website. Just go to harvestnyc.org and click on Contact. You'll find a form to fill out and we'll connect with you as soon as possible. You can also let us know you've been listening by sending an email to harvestnyc at verizon.net. Please feel free to share your prayer request too. We'd be honored to join you in seeking God's direction in your life. Again, just email harvestnyc at verizon.net. If you're listening to our broadcast and aren't in the Manhattan area, We'd like to invite you to join our weekly worship services live on our website. We stream our gatherings on Thursday at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more and connect at harvestnyc.org. That's all for today. Join Pastor Mike next time for another edition of In My Father's House. (laughs) 